Welcome to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. We are women helping women to read their Bibles in the Dayton region and beyond. In order to equip our sisters to dig into Scripture, we have started an initiative called At Home in the Word. This podcast series is one of multiple resources created by our team to help you increase your confidence in your own personal study of God's Word. On this season of the podcast, we will be focusing on the overall meta-narrative of Scripture and the specific genres of Scripture. So grab your Bible and a notebook and listen in. Ladies, we invite you to join us Thursday, April 25th at Keystone Church at 1600 Brownlee Drive in Kettering for our teaching collective. To find out more information, visit our website. Registration for summer study has opened. Check out our website for all of the details and to get yourselves and your kids registered. back to the Dayton Women in the Word podcast. I'm your host, Jillian, and today we are talking all things Gospels. So I would love to just welcome our guest, Erin. Hi, Erin. Hi. Welcome. So great to be here today. I'm so glad you're here. Before we get started, can you just give our listener a little heads up as to who you are and what God has you up to in this season of your life? Sure. So I am a teacher, I'm a professor at Cedarville University. I teach women's My ministry alma classes there. Oh, yay. Okay, <laughs> go Yellow Jackets. So yeah, so I've been there for about six years now, and I teach girls about uh, how to do contemporary women's ministry, how to communicate in ministry, and just all things that you would need to hopefully prepare you for um, serving the local church and serving in parachurch ministries. We talk about that at Cedarville. And I also and then need mem- to come to your classes. I would love to have you. I wish I would have had one of them. I would love to have you. Um, <laughs> I was I, a psychology major, but now I'm thinking, hmm, that would have been really helpful to me. Right? I have oh, a lot of psychology here. majors who do the minor as well. Cool. So I have girls from all walks of life um, coming in and taking these classes because it's just a minor. So they're able to do that and hopefully train them to go be volunteers into the churches. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's um, – I love the girls that God brings to me. Yeah. I feel like I'm just the luckiest professor at Cedarville. Um, yeah, and I'm also a member at Centerville Christian Fellowship in Centerville. And I've been there – we just had our first membership um, – like acceptance of membership about two weeks ago. That's oh a new goodness. thing for our church. And so I'm a member there and um, I help with the women's ministry at, at CCF. Awesome. That's amazing. Well, we're so yeah. glad to have you. Thanks for giving a little us a little peek into yeah. your your norm, your life. It's an here. honor. It's yeah. an honor to be here. So give us a, a picture now into the Gospels, what we're talking about this morning, what what books are included here, and why would someone want to want to dive into this genre? Yeah, so we have four Gospels in all: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're probably familiar with those for those who are listening. 
These are considered theological biographies, and they are unique in comparison to all other books in the Bible. They describe the teachings and events of the life of the Messiah, Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels because they are similar in the events that they cover, their synopsis of Jesus's life. And then you have John, who is more selective for a purpose, which we'll talk about later on. He's off doing his own thing. He is. He is. <laughs> but it's, it's a good thing. And um, the gospels essentially are the good news of Jesus. Hmm. Awesome. It, it is good news. And um, I think, yeah, I've always thought, it's interesting um, studying. I'm, I'm studying for second and third John now, and you know, just the way that he writes seems so. It is. It, it is different, but they they do have um, similar. There are similar accounts across all four of them, um, but some some of the gospels have. They each have their uniqueness to them as well, which I'm sure will kind of start covering some of those those things. But I know the most about John currently because I'm I'm reading through one of his other books. So, uh, where do we see this style being used in Scripture, and and how is it used in the big overall story of the Bible, which we like to call the meta narrative? Yeah. So if you use the meta-narrative described by creation, fall, redemption, restoration, the Gospels describe that redemption part. Hmm. Starting with the Old Testament, after the fall of man into sin, God gives us the first piece of good news. And this is in Genesis 3.15. And here we see the seed of the woman is going to come to defeat the serpent. Hmm. The Gospels highlight the coming of this promised seed in Jesus. Hmm. We also see in the Old Testament, fast forward a little bit, in 2 Samuel 7 specifically, that the Israelite King David was promised that from his line there would be a king whose reign will never end. His hmm. throne will be established forever. The Gospels show Jesus' connection to a Davidic line and that he is the Messiah. So hmm. indeed... Uh, as well, all of the law and the prophets of the Old Testament point to and find their fulfillment in Jesus. There, yes, and amen. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So Jesus himself describes this even in Matthew 5, 17 through 18. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Mm-hmm. So the gospels demonstrate how Jesus fulfilled this law through his life, death, and resurrection. They capture the most pivotal moment in all of human history. Hmm. But while the promises in the Old Testament of salvation for sinful man are fulfilled in Jesus, they are not fully realized until Christ's return. Hmm. There is a wonderful tension in the New Testament that's described as the already, not yet. I I always mix that up. I'm always (laughs) like the not yet and here and now and already (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So the already, not yet. So in other words, the kingdom and reign of Jesus have been inaugurated as expressed Mm. in the gospels, but not yet fully consummated. Hmm. So there are promises that we already enjoy now. Yes. For example, Jesus atoned for our sins by his death and resurrection and secured our justification by grace through faith. Hmm. 
However, we still live in a fallen world and our bodies feel the effects of death. Hmm. But at Christ's return, we will be given resurrected bodies and all of creation will be entirely made new. Hmm. That was a beautiful summary. I didn't want to say synopsis again, but it is just a beautiful summary of where we're at, like where we're currently living and why. And um, that was beautiful. I would go back, listener, and listen to that clip again if you're confused about why things kind of suck still. (laughs) You're like, if Jesus has come back, why is this so hard? And I just get so much hope from that because I do, I'm able to celebrate God's kingdom that's already here. And then I'm I'm also longing for the rest. I'm, I'm longing for more. He's giving me a taste right now, but then we'll have it in full. And I'm very excited for that moment. And what encouragement, if you're in a waiting season or in a suffering season, that you know that um, that God has more plans for us for this world. And this is not the end. So when it comes to the Gospels, what are some nuances or purposes in this literary style? Yeah, so it is very important, actually, to look at the purpose that each individual author had in writing each of the Gospels. Each Mm -hmm. of them are unique in that. So we'll start with Matthew. Matthew's his Gospel is written to show his fellow Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. He begins with the genealogy of Jesus, and he declares that he is the son of David and the son of Abraham. The link to David reminds the readers that he is the promised king, and the link with Abraham reminds people that not only is Jesus the Messiah of the Jews, but he is the Messiah for all nations, Hmm. because it was through the promise given to Abraham that God declared all nations would be blessed. The theme of all nations is repeated again in the Great Commission passage that commands believers to make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. Another feature of notice in Matthew, too, is that he writes of the events as that, and he points out that they fulfill prophecy. Mm-hmm. So every time he mentions an event, he goes to show, and this is to fulfill prophecy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, those genealogies are really so important. We could not, (laughs) we cannot just zoom past them as I have been so guilty of doing because they're purposeful. And that was such a good explanation of why it's so purposeful because God um, wanted, wanted the Jews, his chosen people to understand, to really understand that the Messiah had indeed come. So beautiful. So I'm guessing Mark is next. Mark, yes. <laughs> Let's so do it. Mark. Um, so we have early church fathers attribute Mark's authorship to Peter, actually. Mm-hmm. But it was recorded by John Mark. And Mark has a theme in his work of discipleship. It is also a common theme of events and action. Things happen immediately. And a lot of events are happening. He records a lot of them. Many of these events demonstrate Jesus having authority as the Son of God. Mm. However, Mark slows way down when it comes to the final week of Jesus' ministry. He devotes a large portion to discussing this, and he shows the importance of Jesus being the suffering Son of Man and suffering servant. Mm. Yes. 
Mark. Oh, man, I have so many things to say about Mark. But one is I hope if you're listening that you consider studying the book of Mark with us this summer. We're going to, as a ministry, in our summer study, study through the book of Mark. So we are getting prepped for that. And so look for uh, registration details, listener. Um, But yeah, one of my favorite, absolute um, favorite verses of Mark that has to do with the... um, suffering servant is um, that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I can't exactly remember where it's at, but we'll look it up and put it in the show notes. But that was my mom's mom's favorite verse. So comes to mind every time. Awesome. So hit me with Luke. Yeah. So Luke's audience is Gentile Christians. Luke like Acts, is written to Theophilus. So Luke was the author of both of these, and they are written to a man named Theophilus. Who he is is not exactly known, but many think he is a real person, and we don't necessarily have reason to believe he's not. But of course, that is debated. Luke tells us how he compiled the gospel and why in his first four verses. Hmm. So he says this, he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also having followed all things closely for at some time to pass for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, hmm. that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. He wanted to those who that read to have certainty that what they believed was true. Hmm. He also includes a genealogy, but in Unlike Matthew, it differs a little bit because it goes all the way back to Adam, and it shows that Jesus is the hope promised from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And Luke also is significant because he highlights all kinds of people. He highlights individuals who are poor and outcast and children. But a special note for this podcast is that he mentions a lot of women. He mentions hmm. 13 women that are not mentioned in any other gospel. hey And he, so he mentions women like the widow of Nain, whose son was raised, and the sinful woman who anointed Jesus with an alabaster flask of ointment. Hmm. He also gives special attention to Mary and Elizabeth at the birth, and also women at the resurrection. Hmm. Wow. So for Luke, we know that... Um, God always had this plan in mind for Jesus, always, and that women were a part of that plan. That is really encouraging. That is exactly right. Awesome. So um, now my buddy's turn, John. Yes, so John. <laughs> People love John. I do too. Well, the John, one Jesus loved. That's right. That's right. Well, he is... He just comes right out and says his purpose in writing, and that's in chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So he emphasizes that Jesus is the promised Messiah, Son of God, sent by God, and those who believe in Jesus can have eternal life. 
And he begins his gospel by presenting Jesus as the incarnate word, mm. God in the flesh. He gives a famous he gives the famous I am statements. Mm-hmm. He shows how each of these roles relates to God. So Jesus is the light of the world, the resurrection and the life, the good shepherd, the bread of life, and the vine. Mm. Jesus is revealing God and he is God. Hmm. Jesus, or I'm sorry, John also gives seven signs performed by Jesus, a smaller number than the synoptics, but these purposefully demonstrate how Jesus is better than the Jewish institutions at the time. And John also spends a lot of time on the teaching role of the Holy Spirit. There, we we need all of them. We need Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for sure. And I think, um, you know. John, it, the the word becoming flesh, his his emphasis on Jesus being a human being isn't really important for John's epistles because people at the time, a couple generations out from when um, Jesus was walking the earth with John, um, were struggling with a false belief that he couldn't really be human. Um, they were called Gnostics. And um, so John, it's important for us as we read through the book of John to to see that God was made flesh, that he was the incarnate word. Um, and I think that's just that the, those beautiful emphasis come back later and, and are so important for our faith. So you can't just read one gospel is what I want. To, after going through all this summary, you see that there are some similarities, but there are such beautiful differences as well. And they all point to, to higher understanding of God's character and who who Jesus is and was. So what are some challenges for us when we study the gospels, Aaron? So within the overarching genre of the gospel – there are literary literary challenges hiding within because they use a wide range of literary devices. So there's narratives, there's discourse, there's parables. So we have to be active observers of the text to even know what we're reading. So first off, just knowing what you're reading. But I went through and located some common questions that I hear coming up, questions that I've had myself. And I thought it would be helpful if I shared these with you and just some answers that I have. So Mm -hmm. the first question is, does the Bible contradict itself because it appears there are different accounts of the same events? Mm -hmm. So first, I have a a firm conviction that the Bible does not contradict itself. Mm -hmm. Scripture is God-breathed. A perfect God would not deliver a word to us that is imperfect. Mm -hmm. And second, it's helpful to remember the purpose the author had in including it. That's why I went through them, because they highlight different things at uh, different events to support their topic. And third, reading different accounts of the same event provides a fuller picture of the event. So my former pastor used to give an illustration of four people standing at four corners of intersection observing a car crash. Mm -hmm. All of them saw the same car crash, but when retelling the account to the police, they will tell four similar and accurate accounts, but with four completely different perspectives. So this is similar to what we see in the Gospels. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. If there's kids involved in a crash and a mom is watching it, she's probably going to emphasize that 
oh my goodness, I'm so glad the kids were okay because that's what she's focused on. But maybe if a police officer is watching and he was the one, he's going to give report details that sound very like facts. You know, they were going this speed and there was this code that they violated and, you know, whatever. Um, so that's really helpful in, in thinking about the eyewitnesses to Jesus's life. They have different backgrounds themselves. And so, of course, they're going to emphasize different things that are important to them, but also important to all of us, because God knew that we were going to be reading this and what what perspectives we would have going into it. And so um, it's very, you know, we consider their perspectives and then and then we can interpret correctly from from um, our own limited perspectives as well. That's right. I even think about Mark. He emphasized more emotions Hmm. in the text than maybe other writers do. So they'll just have different things that they bring out. Yeah. Um, The second question that I thought of, which I think is common, is why are the Gospels not perfectly chronological or at least appear not perfectly chronological? So again, I think we have to go back to remember the author's purpose and retelling and teaching um, at every event. He has a purpose and they're significant. So these events relate to the topic and theme for different reasons. And so that's how they are arranged. Okay. So when we're talking about that, we're meaning that there's an event that might come in the text first that in time-wise actually comes later. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Just making sure. And can you give me an example? Because I don't think I knew, maybe not, I I don't think I knew that the <laughs> the one that's really sticking out in my mind is not actually from the Gospels, but from Ezra and Nehemiah. That account, um, I think it's in the book of Ezra. He skips ahead an entire king and tells a story of a king and then goes back in time. And it's really confusing. I had to write it out because I could not... I couldn't track. Well, I I should have come up with an example, but there there's one in Mark that they he tells certain events very succinctly and quickly, mm-hmm. and then in Matthew they're spread out over several chapters. Mm. So um, I don't have them written down, but I can give it to you, Jillian, after, and um, you can put it on the. Um, the, show notes. Yeah, the show notes. Yeah. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that I'm learning new things every day. So I'm curious as far as I have never caught that. You know, you can read you can read the um, Bible so many times and learn new things every single time. And yeah. And you I will say it. it is a little bit debated. There are people that definitely think, oh, they're perfectly chronological. Yeah. So you'll find a lot of literature about it. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if it's not because the Bible itself, how how um, it was arranged was not chronological. So it's it's one of those things that's really up to the um, the author of the book to tell <laughs> how they um, how they remember things or even in the style of how um, they they want to but God breathed for sure so so any other challenges Aaron that you came up to yeah so the next one is um, how do I understand a parable okay that is a big one so Jared Wilson, 
wrote in his book, The Storytelling of God. Uh, So this is coming from him. This is not my thoughts or anything like that. Definitely Jared Wilson. Um, He describes several misconceptions about parables. He says they are not moral fables. Hmm. Which is commonly believed because that they're just way too that would be way too like Aesop, like like telling a story and then being there being a um, moral of the story at the end of it, a point. That's right. That's right. And then they're not um, secret codes. Hmm. So parables are simple and they are complex, but they're not that complex. Hmm. They are more straightforward. Yes. Yes. And they're not allegories. So an allegory is a form of literature in which material figures represent immaterial virtues or vices. So this is coming from Jared Wilson, by the way, again, okay. not me. Um, <laughs> Thanks, and Jared. Thank you, Jared. Yes. <laughs> the parables of Jesus could be said to contain allegorical elements, some more than others, but they are not strictly speaking themselves allegories. Hmm. So Wilson says Jesus definitely deals in the world of virtues and vices, but he is most immediately interested in the world of human beings, their hearts, their words, and their deeds. Mm. So I really appreciated um, Wilson's, um, or Jared, I guess, his um, (laughs) interpretation of that. And he also mentions that they are not simply sermon illustrations. Mm. They do illustrate to some degree, but parables often confuse disciples rather than clarified their thoughts. So they would actually not be great illustrations if given. <laughs> but what he says they are. You might get mixed reviews <laughs> if he right. was in churches today. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So what he says they are are wisdom scenes. Mm-hmm. So they actually illustrate wisdom and are windows into the coming kingdom. Mm-hmm. So and I think. Um, One of the more difficult things as a reader when I look at a parable is identifying who the correct person who I most relate to within the parable, because often I'm going to place myself as the more virtuous one (laughs) in the parable when actually actually I am probably the one in error. Hmm. And so I think just initially finding who you are in the parable will reveal your heart Mm. um, in that. So that is a difficulty. And I have, let's see, one more question uh, as far as like things to observe. And that's, are the words of Jesus more inspired than the rest of the text? In other words, should I value the red letters more Mm. than the rest? Yeah, and if listener, you have never heard about that. There is there's whole Bibles that have um, Jesus's words highlighted in red, so that that they are they stand out from the rest of the text. That's right. So I would say um, no. That all of it is inspired. One is one part of scripture is not more inspired than another part. I'm going to read to you two passages that I think confirm this. The first one is in 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 and it says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so all of it 
all <laughs> emphasize yeah. all is breathed out by God. Yeah, so that's good. So it all came from him. So his words came from him and the rest of it came from him. And I think uh, a proof to that is that Jesus quoted other points of scripture. So right. he, if he uh, didn't think it was all profitable himself, he wouldn't have used it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, and then again, second Peter, one twenty through 21, this is Peter, and he says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Mm-hmm. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's good. So we see Peter is giving argument that Scriptures were inspired not by man, but by the Holy Spirit. And again, Scripture is from God. So Jesus' word and the rest of Scripture are all equally inspired. Yeah, that's such a comfort to me, too, because I know how uh, messed up (laughs) we can be. Even when we think our motivations are good, they're never 100% pure. And so I'm thankful for for God taking the guesswork out of that in Scripture as far as saying, like, listen, this is from me. So that's... if if I'm holy, my word is holy. My word is perfect. My word is pure. You know, you can trust it. It's not coming. It. I I use human vessels, but it's coming from me. That's such a comfort to me. Truly, truly, awesome. So, what are some tips you'd give our listener when they're opening up a gospel? So I have five tips. So my first tip is again locate the author's purpose and observe yeah. the teaching point being made. Mm. So find what his purpose overall in writing it, and then within the gospel, find out what teaching point is being made. And so that really gives a key to unlocking the meaning. Mm. And then two, don't attribute extensive allegorical meanings to parables. Mm. So a field does not represent something more, it's a field. Mm. So we have to be very careful in ascribing that, although there are elements of allegory, there are elements of illustration, elements of these things, but we don't want to go too far. Mm. And then keep in view what the text is saying or teaching about Jesus. So, of course, he is the central figure for all of the Bible, but especially the gospel genre. And then four, take time to delight in the fulfillment of prophecy, Hmm. that Jesus did fulfill all of the Old Testament. And so being familiar with the Old Testament will actually help, um, I think, even just appreciating what is happening in the Gospels even more and even who Jesus is. It's a really good point because a lot of people start reading, when they start reading the Bible, they start reading the Gospel. And... That's so good. I, I don't argue yes. with that. Yes. But I think as your faith matures, you really have to go to other places in the Bible and then come back because your understanding will be so much broad broader having studied parts of the Old Testament, especially, and coming back to the gospel. Absolutely, absolutely. And I would say, and my last one is just follow normal means of good biblical interpretation. Mm-hmm. So nothing special there. Just let um, scripture interpret scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, read the gospel uh, plainly. And um, yeah, so I think with all of those things, you will do well in reading the gospels. And we love to help with that last point. So if you're confused, 
confused about how to interpret the Bible well, I recommend going to our resources page uh, at DaytonWomenTheWord.com. We have um, Bible study tools that explain how to get to good biblical interpretation. So that's excellent. So how how does well this this next question kind of seems like it's uh, counter or, or obvious, but how does this literary style point to Christ and the gospel? Well, um, <laughs> I didn't say too much more because all of it is about it Jesus. Is, it so is. it's unique in that, and it's. Um, special because mm-hmm. so I do tell people when I disciple new believers, especially like, just read the gospels, just start mm-hmm. there. And sometimes I I will take that as a reading goal for a year, and I'll just say I'm gonna go through all four gospels again, mm-hmm. and that's really common. And it's all about Jesus. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. That's beautiful. So, someone's ready to dive in. Um. Is there any resources you would recommend, you know, besides the Bible itself, which is our number one, go to the Bible, that's that's our thing. But um, we do have such, such helps that God has given us in understanding. So what are some resources you would recommend, Erin, to our listener regarding the Gospels? Sure. So one of them, I would say just a basic understanding of the New Testament is the introduction to the New Testament by D.A. Carson and mm. Douglas Moo. That's a good one. Um, The Storytelling of God by Jared Wilson, which I had previously mentioned in his explanation of parables. Also, Reading the Gospels Wisely by Mm -hmm. Jonathan Pennington. Mm -hmm. He's a professor at Southern Seminary. Um, Honestly, if you have an ESV study Bible, it has fantastic (laughs) helps in there. I love my ESV study Bible. It has fantastic helps in there. So I am a big fan of that. Um, just basic um, Bible reading, I definitely recommend t- Dig Deeper, Tools of Understanding God's Word. But I know I'm going to mess this poor man's name up, but <laughs> Nigel Bainan, I think us. is his name. <laughs> Forgive us. Yes, and Andrew Sack. And also Graham Goldsworthy, he wrote According to Plan, The Unfolding Revelation of God in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that one just goes through all the covenants uh, throughout Scripture, and it's very helpful, I think. Um, Reading the Bible Supernaturally by John Piper Mm. has been one I just picked up recently. Um, Exegetical Fallacies by D.A. Carson is really helpful. And Introduction to the Gospel of John by D.A. Carson. And last but not least, The Servant King by uh, Desmond Alexander. Mm. And The Servant King, he traces the theme of kingship throughout Mm. um, the Bible, which is just fascinating. Mm. And so, yeah, so those are some of my top. New Testament resources. And and listen, listener, if you are struggling to write all those down, stop, because we are going to have them up on our show notes for you um, to find. And so um, don't worry. We got it covered for you. Um, Erin, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listener? Well, I would just say, don't be afraid to start studying the word. It's for you. (laughs) Um, If anything, I just read in John, and it's mm-hmm. written so that we would believe it is written for all. So mm-hmm. I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John are great places. If you have no idea where to start reading, mm-hmm. just start there. Start knowing about who Jesus is, and um, they're great um, books for discipleship, for discipling mm-hmm. others. 
and just knowing who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you, if you know no other books, learn these <laughs> books. But know all the Bible because it's all important. Yes. It's all inspired. Absolutely. But, Amen. But a great place to start. Let's just put it that way. Have you ever had any um, specific uh, maybe aha moments reading the gospel that you'd want to share or just favorite passages from any particular gospel? Well, there's a couple. So one, I think about um, the life, the arc of women throughout Scripture Mm -hmm. and how originally in the garden you have Eve failing and then God promising the seed of the woman. Mm -hmm. And then you have Mary, who is the opposite of Eve, who said, may it be to me as you have said. Her Mm -hmm. attitude was humility and then came the seed from her. And so we have this kind of redemption of all of humans, but also women. Mm. And further than that, when Jesus is resurrected, he talks to Mary Mm. Magdalene in the garden. And he says, here, go tell everyone I've risen. Mm. And so there is this beautiful picture of redemption we see there. Also, just personally, I always love the story of the prodigal son and Luke and mm. and how I very much relate to the prodigal son. Some days I'm that person, but other days I tend to want to be like the other brother as well. So I relate to both of them in my heart, and mm. I'm grateful for a loving father who opens us with um, just everything in his kingdom, that mm. he is generous. Mm. And so those are some things that I think stand out to me. I love, I think my favorite gospel, if I had to choose, not that you're supposed to choose your favorites, but I, <laughs> I want to hear it. I think is Luke. I just, I love Luke. I love his love of the people mm-hmm. and the images you see there. Um, I just really resonates with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, but I love, um, I love studying these books. In, in my thought, process right now, I'm thinking about how these these stories that we love um, can sometimes get like we can start glossing over them if we if we've heard them forever, you know, like the prodigal son, I think I, I started hearing that story when I was in Sunday school, like when I was a wee tiny. And so I feel like, are there any tips you'd have for us to not do that or to see, you know, I don't know what what's underneath that um, sort of glossing over when we come to one of those passages in scripture. If you've been walking with the Lord a while, um, how do we see it anew or or what what advice would you have when we when we come across those? Maybe confessing pride in our hearts mm. that we are so familiar with these. Like I think about um, John three sixteen, mm. how it's you see it at sporting events, and you mm-hmm. see signs everywhere that oh John three sixteen, but that doesn't make it less true or right. less amazing, less profound, less profound, <laughs> yeah. just because it's common, right? And so God can use any word mm-hmm. like that is out there. So it's a good thing we want to rejoice that those things mm-hmm. are common. Mm-hmm. And um, I would just say, just be careful in our own hearts just to catch ourselves and just always be delighting mm-hmm. in um, the glory of God in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So um, I would just say it just comes from confessing. And also I think, um, yeah, just sometimes we have pride thinking that, oh, we have this figured out. Mm-hmm. 
and like God's, we've arrived. We've arrived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But God's word's alive. Mm-hmm. Like His Holy Spirit can use it to shine a light on different parts of our heart that maybe need to have that light shown on it. So yes. just humbly always coming to Scripture with that with that attitude of humility. Yeah, and and with a motivation of uh, learning more about God, not not needing to have any. Um, I'll feelings moved when I come to a pa- you know that that kind of touches underneath but I think about it specifically with the gospels because they they have been so repeated and thank God for that but also just um just something for us to be aware of if we um, have heard these stories over and over again to kind of um, do a little bit of um, maybe confessing prayer before we uh, before we come to those, so we're not um, missing what God would have for us there. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for being here today and for sharing with us. I learned a lot. I'm excited for our listeners to yeah. um, hear this honor. interview as well. All right, listener, go open the Gospels. <laughs>